Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. All right, here we are back at it again at the boot camp. 2022 second episode of the year. If you missed last week, you missed it. It's such a great episode. Go back and listen to it as we recapped <laughs> 2021 and all the great highlights from that two series in particular, two great guests and news in the Bob Bickford life. And so we are, at the time that this airs, we are in the middle of huge staff meeting for NAM Home Week gathered with the whole crew in the ATL Dirty South and probably have already enjoyed some pretty good food together and had a lot of laughs by the time that you're hearing this. I think that's a good prediction, Jimbo. I love it when our guys, the replant team of the North American Mission Board, when we all get together and get to collaborate and laugh and celebrate, have fun. And our team is spread out all across North America. It's really good to see the guys. We get to see everybody in person at least a couple times per year, maybe two, three. And so I'm excited to gather with the guys again and and uh, really talk about the coming year and some of the, the plans that we've got going and work on some of our initiatives. So, and I like Atlanta. I don't like driving in Atlanta, really. No. But I like when we're up in the suburbs up north where the, the headquarters are in Alpharetta. Once we get up there, it's all good. Yeah. I, I think Atlanta traffic may be my least favorite traffic ever. And that's after tra- I've been in traffic in India. Oh, gosh. Man, and even L.A. But you weren't driving. You didn't have a car in L.A. No, L.A. was I took the bus. That's a whole another long story. But yeah, I, t- I took the bus in L.A. when I was there. I did drive in Peru. And that was an experience for sure, but a whole different kind. Uh, hey, my, speaking of Peru, my family did a fun thing for New Year's Eve. One of my sisters text in our group text that we call Stuart Shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's all play two truths and a lie. And, and so since we were all, all over the place, we text each other a bunch of two truths and a lie. And that was a lot of fun with my whole family. What did you guys do for New Year's Eve? Man, Jimbo, we were, we were really bored, boring. We, <laughs> I, I actually went to bed about 10 o'clock or 10. No, yes, Jimbo, I was tired. I just couldn't, I'm an old man. I just, you know, couldn't do it. Barb stayed up because she did not, she, she did not want to be awakened by our neighbors who every year since we've lived here in Webster Groves for 13 years now, they go outside at midnight and they bang pots and pans and scream Happy New Year. <laughs> now, it's our next door neighbors. Now, the ones in the back shoot off fireworks. And they don't shoot off just quiet fireworks. You know, those real loud concussion fireworks. They don't really make any kind of light show, but they just this giant explosion. There were probably, I, I would say, probably 15 or 20 of those that went off. And so uh, I was awakened just right before midnight because apparently our neighbor's clocks are a little early. <laughs> and so I was awakened to some noise. And then it sounded like a war going on over here. <laughs> so Barb, Barb does not want to be awakened by that. So she brought the new year in and uh, she was she was flipping between, you know, different New Year shows. And here, I'm just going to make a, I want to make an observation, a media critic observation about all of the New Year's broadcasts. They're all awful. And one of the reasons they're awful is because they can't, the, the folks who are hosting them are horrible at improv. 
They can't, they can't improv. They can't have fun and improv. Like they're all script people, right? They're singers. And so they get out and sing the lyrics. They script out their show. All right. They're newscasters or they're entertainers. They have a script or they're reading from a prompter. You take all that stuff away and just say, yeah, just make it up as you go. It's really bad. <laughs> like <laughs> you and I would be a whole lot better at hosting a New Year's show. And I think I'm just going to go out and I'm going to propose this, Jimbo. Maybe we ought to Maybe we had to host a live boot camp New Year's Eve special at some point. Come on, man. That would be awesome. I think it would probably be better. We could we could lower the boot instead of the <laughs> instead of the ball. We could lower a boot. Lower the boot. Maybe we could get Chosen Road to do a couple tunes for us, you know, yeah, things like that. Clifton could come on and regale us with, you know, <laughs> stories and tales and uh it'd be a lot of fun. Kyle Beerman, he's a musician. He could probably sing sing a few songs and uh yeah. That might be fun. Absolutely. I think it would probably be one of the more entertaining New Year's Eve uh, shows you've ever seen in your life. So let us know, listeners, if you want us to pull it off and you want to help fund the budget to make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) Man, as we go into this new year, we want to focus on, at the boot camp, we want to focus on, uh, man, just the essentials, right? What are the core fundamental things of what it means to be a godly leader, a a biblical pastoral shepherd leader. And there's so many things out there about how to do church, how to do church revitalization. And Bob and I have been discussing a lot how we could best serve you guys. And one of the things that we think we can do now that each of us are not preaching weekly in and out and leading as the lead pastor week in and week out is we can kind of curate and consume, consume and curate all the material that we, that's out there that we can and figure out how do we distill that down to the most basic themes that have passed the test of time that are really actually beneficial and helpful. And one of the things I've recognized, Bob, is a lot of church revitalization material seems to focus a priority on systems like your first impressions and your website, your communications, your facilities, and all those sorts of things. And here's what I'd say is, I think we need to recognize and putting those things in their place. They're not necessarily bad things, but they are certainly not ultimate nor priority items. To be honest, those things are not going to revitalize your church in the sense of it being a more spiritually healthy church. Now, I would say, as your church becomes a healthier church, those are systems that make that health more sustainable, that they can build up and prop up like scaffolding in a way to help you continue to run sustainable ministries. But they do not revitalize a church. And so one of the things we've been talking about is we've tried to boil down basically uh, a lot of this to what are the five key factors that somebody needs to work on that are biblical, regardless of your context, regardless of where you're at, the size of your church. And that's you as the leader, right? You need to focus on growing as a leader. You need to focus on the direction. Where where are you taking this church? You need to be clear about that. You need to figure out where God's called you in your missional context in that unique place. So the leader, the direction, and then the team. Who's your core team? Who's helping you in the plurality of leadership in whatever form that takes, who's helping you get there? And then really out of that, you're asking two main questions. One, 
how are we making disciples who make disciples that make the community noticeably better? And how are we developing leaders that are going to serve this church and that are going to go out and serve the kingdom of God? And so the other things that people want us to focus on, I really think are secondary and we don't need to spend a lot of energy there. I think we need to spend our energy on the leader, the direction, the team. Are we making disciples? How are we doing that intentionally? And how are we developing leaders? I love that breakdown. And I think you're exactly right. Most of what we see suggested in terms of turning a church around starts with strategy and structure and not the spiritual work. And one of the things that's a distinguishing mark for our team is we often will say that replanting and revitalization is first and foremost a spiritual work before it's a strategic work or before it's a structural change. And so I think if guys can just get their head around that, that will give them some patience in the early years and they can work on the spiritual side for themselves and then for the congregation. And as the spirit, as the spirit works in the church and as people's hearts begin to soften and change and and people begin to be captured by the things of God, the purposes of God, the mission of God, those structures and those systems are more easily changed than if you just go in and start trying to change them right up front. So just keep that in mind, guys. And and I, I really like this list that you put together about starting with the leader. And it does start with the leader. You know, longtime famous quote, speed of the leader, speed of the team, right? And that's kind of a business idea. And that's kind of a strategic leader idea. But I really think if you take that phrase and you apply it and you really think about it, and you think about the priority of spiritual over structural or strategy, And it's really the spiritual work in the life of the leader that's super important for us to focus on. Absolutely. And so as we look at this, I think one of the things that we consider as the leader is what are the core things that we need to think of as the pastor, as the leader? One is the spiritual vitality of the leader, right? Are you bearing the fruit of the spirit? Are you, do you have a rule of life and rhythms in your life that are you growing? Are you maturing in Christ? Are you dependent on Christ? Then after that, the calling, do you have the desire to do this? Do you have the biblical qualifications to do this? Have others affirmed those qualifications and calling and giftings in your life? And then the character, just the godly character of a leader, and then the characteristics slash competencies, like there are actual characteristics and competencies that are needed. We've talked about those a lot on here. And then lastly, the capacity. Do you have the emotional, relational, physical capacity, spiritual capacity to, to do this, to, to lead a church through church revitalization? And so today I wanted to focus on the character of godly leadership. What is it? What does it look like to be a godly leader. And I just finished reading a fascinating book called Facing the Leviathan by Mark Sayers, where he really tackles this idea of leadership and how there are two, there's a false dichotomy of leadership where he goes throughout history and scripture uh, and literature and really draws out this idea of there are these two ideas of apex leadership that we have in modern Western world that he argues actually come from pagan mythology. And we, so we either have the heroic conqueror that's powerful, or we have the creative genius that breaks all the rules and thinks outside of the box. And those are really the two approaches that we take to leadership. 
And he proposes a third type of leadership, a biblical view of leadership, being that we're one who lay down our lives and serve in humility and serve with integrity that build others up, that don't platform ourselves. And we're not the powerful conquering hero or the creative genius, but we it's, it's less about our abilities and more about our submission to God as a leader. Man, I like that. If you think about some of the, the key people that God has used throughout history, he seemed to have picked the ones who are overlooked the least and the, the least likely ones to be chosen to lead. You think about, you think about Gideon, you think about Paul, even in some ways, you think about David, who was way overlooked in, in terms of like all of his brothers were, you know, when, when Samuel's trying to figure out, is this the one Lord? And, you know, do you have any more brothers? And David's not even in the house. Right. And, uh, and he's even warned at the beginning of time, don't look at his, don't look at his countenance. Don't look at his stature. You have to, to really understand. So I, I think one of the myths that is part of our culture is that the, the leader who's going to form, you know, the leader who's going to really lead things and make a good transition is the guy with the chiseled jaw, the great haircut, the right wardrobe, and the incredible communication skills, right? And, and so that can be true in some regards. That person gets a lot of followers and that person has a lot of influence and, and can have a lot of charisma at the front end. But what we've seen, I think, recently in our own culture is that there's got to be character behind all of that mm. and character matters. If you have all the substance and the trappings of, or if you have all the trappings of leadership and you don't have the substance, meaning the character and the, the, the solidity that the character brings, then you're probably going to outgrow your capacity and, and your character. And, and um, that's not going to be good. Yeah. I think godly character begins with humility, right? So we talked about this as a, supernatural and spiritual work more than it is strategic. We love strategy and we think strategy is important and we we should think strategically. And we think that's even a biblical idea that we can see consistently in scripture, the idea of being able to think strategically and plan out strategically. But it's not preeminent. Preeminently, this is about our submission to the Lord. And I, I think about James chapter four, verse six, which says, God opposes, opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then Luke 14, 11 where it says everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so I, I would argue that godly leadership begins with humility and that humility is, it begins with self-awareness and uh, a healthy and biblical identity of knowing who we are in Christ, abiding in that identity in Christ, having a, a holy contentment like Paul describes in Philippians chapter four, where we we all know the part where he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in 4.13. But in that 4.10 through 13, where he says, I found the secret to being content in all circumstances, that that holy contentment of, of that's that's the strength, the strength of not I can I can accomplish great things, but I can withstand whatever circumstances are thrown at me because my contentment is found in my identity in Christ because of my self-awareness. And that leads to a God-grounded confidence. And so I, I am confident in my calling and the work that God has given me, not because of my abilities or capabilities, but because God is strong in my weakness. And if I believe if we have a strong self-awareness, a strong, healthy and biblical identity, we're content in that identity in Christ. Our confidence is in God, not ourselves. We'll find it 
so much easier in our humility to promote and edify others over ourselves. Mm -hmm. I, I believe that's one of the markers of godly leadership. I love that list that you put together there for us. And, and one of the things that just stands out is the, to me, is the God-grounded confidence, right? So uh, when a pastor walks into a room or a meeting or a gathering, does he just exude that confidence that comes from God, not his own abilities, right? And I think a lot of guys, if they're trusting in their own abilities and their their own skills, that leads them down a road in terms of the impact of, of how it affects their relationships in, in a way that's not really good sometimes. And, you know, if you walk away from a meeting going, man, I, or if you feel the pressure in a meeting that I've got to make something happen, or I've, you know, this is all on me, or if people don't agree with me, then it, it's that I'm not the leader, all those sorts of things. Man, that just kind of shows that the confidence that you have is really in yourself and in what your plan is rather than what God is doing in you, the process and, and the fact that he's brought people around you to help you figure it out together. Mark Halleck says in his book, The Posture of a Godly Leader, in his chapter on humility, which I highly recommend in the, in the conclusion summary of that chapter, he says, the Lord loves humility in his people. In fact, humility is the foundation, not only of all faithful Christian leadership, but of all faithful Christian living. For this reason, humility is crucial in the heart and leadership of a revitalization pastor. Of course, a problem is this. Not only do we by nature rebel from humility, we live in a world that does not value humility. At times, even churches do not value humility. Yet the Lord does. The Lord loves humility in his people. By his grace, may we seek to love and shepherd the tired, hurting, hungry sheep the Lord has entrusted to our care. And may we do it with Christ-like humility, daily remembering that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's a great word on humility and the importance of humility. That's how that's how we have to serve. That self-awareness piece is that begins this is one we've talked about a lot on this podcast. But Bob, I don't I don't think we can overemphasize the importance of continually focusing on and growing in self-awareness. You're right. And it's got to be an every moment kind of a thing, right? So you're in a, if you're in an, an engaging in a conversation and this is frustrating to you, you need to be able to, while that conversation is going on, to ask yourself in real time, why is this frustrating to me? Or do I feel threatened? Do I disagree? Why do I feel emotional about this? Why do I feel energetic? Is it is it really about this conversation or is it about something that's going on in my life outside of this conversation? Is it something that's happening with me? Have I, have I lost, felt like I've lost a lot of battles recently and do I have to win this one just cause I got to win one? You know, all of those kinds of internal dialogue things that, that you need to probably have in, in your mind and in your heart real time are so important. And, and that is self-awareness. Most guys get in trouble, I think, because they're not really aware what's going on with them. And if they can become aware, and like we said, I think this was in the last episode in 2022, man, you need to make rest and solitude and, you know, time with the Lord and prayer part of your life regularly so that the Lord can surface some of those things to in your mind about your character to you as you're reading through the Psalms and as you're reading through Proverbs and, and whatever other passages that you're reading, uh, because those, those things are going to be stumbling blocks to your leadership if you don't know what they are 
and you don't address them and you don't let the Lord speak into them. Right. And so, and I just think guys do whatever you can do to develop self-awareness and it will be one of the best disciplines that you can have in your life to, to understand how to deal with what's going on with, with you internally. I think one of the ways that we can continue to grow in our self-awareness in our healthy biblical identity, which will lead to holy contentment and God-grounded confidence, is constantly preaching the gospel to ourselves mm-hmm. right? and reminding ourselves of, of who God is, how great he is, constantly seeing that and reminding ourselves of his greatness and his goodness and our need for him. And, and there's one of these, it's a weird juxtaposition of the gospel where one of the best ways to contentment is embracing your own sinfulness mm-hmm. and, and recognizing just how sinful you are and just how desperately you need a savior constantly, daily. I mean, always reminding yourselves of that, not in a beating yourself up, but in a, in praise God, we have that, how much I need it and how great God is to continually be faithful to provide that for me. And just remind man, I need grace. Like I, I am in, in desperate need of grace all the time, but he overflows me with grace and goodness all the time. I just think about, I mean, I, I tell Audrey, sometimes I feel like I'm one of God's favorites in, because <laughs> I just, I just feel like I just get, I get blessed like way more than I should be all the time. And mm-hmm. that, that leads me to a greater self-awareness of the fact that I do need that grace and I need God and I need, but that I have an identity and that I'm his and that it's not in how hard I work or how much I accomplish or how productive or successful I am, or even in how faithful I am. But my identity is in him and in his faithfulness and in his productivity and that he's accomplished it all. He's already won it. And I just get to be a part of it. And that gives me that contentment and God grounded confidence which leads to, out of humility, me promoting and edifying others and building others up instead of always making myself the hero of every story. Yeah, you've really, you've, you've hit on something that's super important, and that is acknowledging that every blessing we have comes from God and every gift that we have comes from Him. And I would also say this, every opportunity, every opportunity that, that is before you comes from God. And here's the deal. You don't deserve it, right? <laughs> you, you did. And I want to say this, that, and, and this is kind of a, there's a dual duality to this. You didn't earn it, but you earned it by being faithful. You didn't earn it by who you are, right? And what you could do, but you, you were given the opportunity by demonstrated obedience and faithfulness to what God has called you to do, right? He who's been faithful with Little will be entrusted with much, right? That that idea that man faithful obedience and the small things leads to greater opportunity. And so I would just say, man, concentrate on everything that you have, opportunity, blessings, material possessions, the church you have, the people you have, the leaders you have, those have been entrusted to you by God. You you didn't you didn't create all that by yourself. God's given that to you. And then the, you steward that well by being faithful and obedient. And then perhaps the Lord will give you more. Maybe he will not, right? But what he can give you is a, a sense of your own your your own position in all of that. And he can develop in you a heart of gratitude. And when you have a heart of gratitude, man, you rest well and you celebrate others well. And uh, so I just encourage you guys, if you can get to that place, and live there and be confident in that, that'll be such a blessing for you. Yeah. And so knowing that God 
loves humility is such a great place to start in your leadership. And, and so seek that out, ask the Lord to help you grow in your humility. Think about those things, those factors of humility, of self-awareness, your identity in Christ, finding contentment in Christ and not your circumstances, finding your confidence in God, having God-grounded confidence. And then, I mean, out, outdo one another in showing honor, promote and edify others. I remember a mentor of mine when I was real young told me, everyone that you encounter influences you and you influence them. Nobody gives a neutral influence. Mm-hmm. And so think about, are you helping build others up or are you putting them down? And that, I believe, comes out of humility. I think it's like an output, a result of humility is that we promote others and encourage others. It's a good barometer, a dash on the dashboard for you to look at. Do I constantly try to get laughs by making fun of other people? Mm-hmm. Or am I somebody who's encouraging and promote others and help others win? Do I like when others win? Mm-hmm. Or do I wish it was me mm-hmm. whenever others win? And I think that's a good indicator of where your humility may be. Guys, this is a something we're going to dive more into in the character of godly leadership, humility, integrity, respect, empathy, and goodwill. And so we're going to dive into those some. We'll have other episodes dispersed in there as well. This is going to be, I believe, the last week or the second to last week that you could sign up for the Am I a Replanter conference in New Orleans. And so I'd encourage you to go ahead and do that. We'll have the link in the show notes. Again, if you're not, one, you may be tired of hearing me say this. Don't worry. You only have one more episode maybe to hear me say it. But <laughs> I'd love to see it in New Orleans. This is a good event for people who are potential or rookie replanters or revitalizers or pastors of churches that are having the opportunity to replant and revitalize churches and are looking to learn more about what is required of that and what that looks like. It's going to be honestly really great. Me and Bob and our wives, Double Doc, Josh Dreyer and his wife, Darlene, Fred Luter will be there doing one of our sessions, George Ross, Ryan Rice. It's going to be a really good time and there might even be some king cake involved. So, ooh, hey, hope to see you. Hope to see you in New Orleans in February. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.